Many patients or parents of young children worry about adverse reactions to vaccines. Reactions are fairly common, but a true allergy to vaccines is quite rare. And even if patients are truly allergic to a vaccine, it may be possible for allergists to safely vaccinate them. I'm Dr. Matthew Stanbrook, Deputy Editor for the Canadian Medical Association Journal. Today, I'm speaking with the authors of a practice article on vaccine allergy published in CMAJ. Dr. Derek Chu is a fifth-year allergy and clinical immunology resident at McMaster University, and Dr. Zainab Abdurrahman is an allergist and clinical immunologist and assistant clinical professor in pediatrics, also at McMaster University. I've reached them both in Hamilton. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. First, can you each tell us a bit about who you are? My name is Derek Chu. I did my combined MD-PhD at McMaster University in allergy immunology, and then I did an internal medicine specialization uh, and received my Royal College certification. And now I'm a PGY-5 in uh, clinical immunology and allergy. My name is Zainab Abdurrahman. I'm a Royal College certified allergist and clinical immunologist, as well as an assistant clinical professor in the Department of Pediatrics at McMaster. I have a special interest in vaccine allergy, and I'm actually the allergy lead for the McMaster site of the Special Immunization Clinic, which is a nationwide initiative assessing those with adverse reactions to vaccines in combination with infectious disease. Glad to have you both with us today to talk about this important issue. Uh, Let's start off by telling us why you wanted to write this article for CMAJ. Well, the World Health Organization, or the WHO, has named vaccine hesitancy as one of the top 10 global health threats to address in 2019. So we really wanted to use this platform to address common concerns and misconceptions about vaccine allergy and be able to share it with our colleagues on a broad platform. Uh, That certainly, I'm sure, resonates with a lot of clinicians out there and certainly does with me. I often have patients in my practice who tell me they don't get the flu shot, for example, because it made them sick or it gave them the flu. So I think it's important at the start that we define what vaccine allergy is and is not. What do you mean when you say vaccine allergy? So exactly as you said, there's a lot of misconceptions of what exactly is an allergy. And specifically, when we talk about vaccine allergy, we mean those that can cause anaphylaxis, that immediate type hypersensitivity or the, that's mediated by IgE. So that this is symptoms that occur within minutes and progressively worsen with urticaria or hives, angioedema, wheeze, dyspnea, hypotension, respiratory distress, and, and persistent GI symptoms, anaphylaxis type. So how quickly would one see these manifestations of true vaccine allergy? So typically, because this is an injection, it's bypassing the oral route, then it's very, very rapid onset. So typically, we would see an allergic reaction to vaccines within 30 minutes, and it becomes highly unlikely after an hour and very, very unlikely after four hours. And how common is a true allergic reaction to vaccines? So true vaccine allergies are actually quite rare. They're on the order of one in a million. Exact numbers from the latest statistics from U.S. surveillance data show about 1 in 760,000 injections. This is in contrast to the most common side effects such as fever, local pain, or swelling. Even if that swelling is quite marked, um, which occur in about 1 to every 3 to 1 every 5 patients. So... 
Vaccine allergy reactions are quite rare. They're a one in a million event, as you say. But then there are these other reactions that can happen after vaccines and, and some can be mistaken for allergy. Can you tell us a bit more about those and the, the common types and, and how they differ? Exactly. So um, the most common ones being local symptoms or fever, but also because uh, what can be quite confusing uh, and be a common mimicker are things like urticaria. And this is because live vaccines, those for varicella uh, or shingles, live attenuated influenza vaccines or measles, mumps, rubella vaccination can all uh, have a delayed onset in their symptoms because there's an actual live vaccine. So it takes time for the incubation period and so on for uh, some manifestations to actually occur. And this can mean a delayed onset in the presentation of these symptoms in about one to three weeks, whether that be fever, urticaria alone, or it be these uh, swelling that occur or, or pain. Often these are mislabeled as allergy, especially if it's hives, when it actually isn't any because there's no progression of symptoms and it's much delayed in its onset. I want to ask you to clarify a bit on that point about urticaria, because we tend to think of urticaria as an allergy-mediated phenomenon, but and yet you're saying there's this delayed onset urticaria that's not in fact allergic. Can you just clarify between the allergic and non-allergic types that you're referring to? Yeah, so one of the most common causes of acute urticaria in children is actually just a viral-induced or, or infection-induced urticaria, and much in the same way, after a vaccination to like a live virus, then it can take, you know, a week or two before that urticarial eruption presents. And it can be just, it's, the, the way that it would show up is that it would be isolated urticaria or hives without any immediate temporal link to receiving an injection. That's to say within minutes or within even one to four hours. This is days or weeks after the injection that urticaria alone presents, which helps distinguish it from being an actual allergy. It's just a part of the reaction of um, having a virus go through the body. You mentioned that there are certain general types of allergy that are worth considering in the context of vaccination. And, and one you emphasize is egg allergy, which I think is, is a common concern among, among patients. Can vaccines that contain egg protein be safely administered to patients with egg allergy? With the exception of the yellow fever vaccine, an egg allergy is no reason to avoid vaccinations. Because of the small, tiny, minuscule amounts of egg protein that are left over in certain vaccines, such as the mumps, measles, rubella, influenza, varicella, rabies, we've shown with various studies and actually with Public Health of Canada and Canadian Pediatric Society, consistent with the international consensus that patients with egg allergy can be safely immunized to these routine vaccines. There's no evidence that they are actually at higher risk of allergy due to having the egg allergy compared to someone without an egg allergy for these common vaccines. I think that egg allergy is something that uh, is raised a lot by patients and a lot of clinicians hear this quite regularly. Yeah, uh, so I want to ask a little further, in addition to these, these expert bodies that uh, advise that it's perfectly safe, do we actually have scientific evidence of large numbers of patients with documented egg allergies who've been exposed to these vaccines showing conclusively that you don't get allergic reactions in this setting? Absolutely. The studies actually date back quite far. Starting with MMR, the studies have been from about 1994, um, showing the routine vaccination where 
they looked at large series of patients with egg allergy where they were immunized with mumps, measles, rubella combined vaccination, and there was no increased risk of reaction in those with egg allergy compared to the general population. In addition, um, the influenza vaccine has been even more recently studied. We've done various studies looking at splitting the vaccine, looking at giving it full dose. And when we looked at large studies, both Canadian and American studies with large numbers of patients with egg allergy, we found that there was no increased risk with receiving the influenza vaccine and they did not need to receive it in a graded fashion, which can be uncomfortable for young children um, as the amounts are actually less than nanograms. So it's very unlikely to be an issue and we did not find these in the studies. Thank you for that. I think that's important information for our, our colleagues and our patients to know that egg allergy uh, is not a concern with some of these common vaccines. Now, you, you mentioned in the paper other types of allergies that can be relevant. You mentioned gelatin, latex, and yeast allergy. Can you take us through how these are relevant in the context of vaccines? Absolutely. Gelatin, latex, and yeast are commonly used in some of the vaccines as Um, sometimes stabilizers or perhaps can be used in the packaging. But allergies to these components are actually very rare. So I'll give you kind of the bottom line. For gelatin allergy, that's an IgE-mediated allergy to cow or pig or occasionally fish gelatin. And this is an element found commonly in things like jello or gummy bears. So if you can think about it, it's an extremely rare allergy that you don't know many patients who actually have an allergy to this. And for those who do have that, we have to take it into account in terms of certain vaccines, namely mumps, measles, rubella, varicella, or Japanese encephalitis vaccines. In terms of latex allergy, the issue here is actually in the multi-dose stoppers. So most vaccines we actually give, especially in the pediatric realm, are single dose and are often latex-free single-dose vaccinations. But some of the multi-dose vials for flu vaccine or other multi-dose ones may have a stopper that's made of latex, and then those with latex allergy could have a reaction because of the latex exposure. For these patients, we are often very easily able to find a latex-free single-dose vaccination for them. The last one you mentioned was yeast allergy. Yeast is an extremely, extremely rare allergy, and we actually see this happening with much older patients who have been bakers or brewers who become sensitized to this, and then there is a their potential risk of them reacting because this type of yeast, Saccharomyces, is used in the hepatitis B or human papillomavirus vaccines. The one good thing about this is it's very rare. It presents in older patients, and these two vaccines are often given in grade 7 before patients develop this type of allergy. So it's a theoretical thing, but to date, not well described because it does not actually come up often just because of the timing of these vaccines and the timing of developing this type of rare allergy. So it sounds like you're saying that most true allergies to vaccines come from sort of the environment the vaccine is produced or stored in and the the proteins that come in from that, as opposed to the the protein that that forms the antigen of the vaccine itself or the excipients that are added to the vaccine or the preservatives that are added to the vaccine. Is is that the case that it's more the environment than the vaccine or its or, or its constituents itself? Or do you also see allergic reactions? to those components as well? 
I would say it is more the former, which is it is about the stabilizers like the gelatin or the latex stoppers, the environment around it. Those would be the more common causes for the allergy. It is extremely, extremely rare to have an issue with the actual pathogen. As you can imagine, people would be then having anaphylaxis to colds and viruses. So we don't see that, thankfully. So it is kind of more of the other components that may be part of the packaging of the vaccine that are more of the issue. The true components, what you're getting vaccinated against, you know, diphtheria, influenza, rabies do not typically cause allergy. So for those rare patients who truly are allergic to a vaccine, is there a way for them to be safely vaccinated? Yes, in most cases, allergists can actually quite safely vaccinate those with a possible allergy to uh, the vaccine or its components. First, we uh, confirm the diagnosis in our in the allergy clinic, test for the presence of actual hypersensitivity by skin testing, and then use techniques such as graded administration of the vaccine to immunize. Vaccine allergies are similar to other allergies that uh, that meaning that they're not necessarily lifelong. And so based on the testing, we determined the the safest and best way to administer the actual vaccine to ensure the patient can get the uh, most appropriate vaccine at the best time. So when a clinician encounters that rare patient with a true allergy, what what is our responsibility as physicians uh, in terms of actions we need to take when we observe this type of thing? So any adverse reaction to vaccines should be reported. And uh, there is a national reporting system uh, for this, for which in the paper, we not only discuss the most common allergic manifestations, but we also provide a, a shortcut link to the vaccine adverse events following immunization Canadian reporting system. This is run through the Public Health Agency of Canada, and then there are specific instructions per province. So if you go to this link, it'll very rapidly direct both patients as well as healthcare providers about how to report any adverse reaction after vaccines. Of course, beyond just reporting, you should then refer to the most appropriate specialist, say for an anaphylactic or allergic event to an allergist, but if there is say a neurologic event like Guillain-Barre or encephalitis, then to neurology and so on and so forth. So we've gone in detail now through the differences between uh, true allergic reactions and other adverse reactions to vaccine. But why is it so important that patients and clinicians understand this distinction in 2019? Well, it's critical because most adverse reactions to vaccines, including things like rashes and other annoying um, swollen arms, are not allergies. And when you use the term allergy inappropriately, it leads to patients becoming confused and worried. And we want to make sure that everyone's using the same language. Patients understand what can be common and expected adverse reactions versus the uncommon, more dangerous ones that can put them at risk for allergy. At the time when you are receiving a medical intervention, you want to make sure that you fully understand what is a concern and what isn't a concern. We want to make sure that all patients and physicians feel comfortable in terms of this and identifying those small population of people who do need extra evaluation, testing, um, and seeing a specialist versus those who can be easily reassured. 
Yes, and we started this conversation by alluding to vaccine hesitancy, which is a growing problem, and further down the spectrum, the anti-vaccine movement. Tell me, to what extent do you perceive that allergies to vaccines are, are an important driver of uh, that subpopulation of people compared to other factors? The perception that something could go terribly wrong is, I think, part of the issue with vaccine hesitancy. And people have heard terms used like, oh, they had a minor allergy to a vaccine, or they've heard the term allergy used due to a side effect that's common and not overly at risk for a dangerous reaction. And unfortunately, I think this has made it seem that it's very common and there's a perception that allergy and potentially anaphylaxis to vaccines is common, which is making people worried. They worry about how the immune system might respond and allergy is a natural kind of progression when you're thinking about the immune system for many. So I think that these misconceptions may be fueling some of that vaccine hesitancy based on the lack of understanding of the fact that vaccine allergy is extremely rare. So we're hoping that by providing this and letting people know that it'll provide the education so they can make um, a good decision regarding vaccine use. Indeed. So before we conclude, are there any other common questions or misconceptions about vaccines that you'd like to discuss or clarify while you have the chance here? I think we've covered a lot of it, but the only thing I will say is language is very important in medicine. Whenever we use the wrong terms, people become confused and they get worried. The term allergy is very often misused, not just in the vaccine realm, but in many other realms. A reaction is not an allergy. Urticaria is not necessarily an allergy. The most common causes of acute onset urticaria is actually the virus. So it's not unusual to see that. And then there are some very common things, swollen arm for days, feeling slightly under the weather. These are all the things showing you that your immune system is responding and these are normal. So those would be, I think, the key things I would want to say about the misconceptions or generally about vaccines in the context of allergy. Well, certainly allergy is a topic that's always a broad public interest, both within and without our profession. I want to thank you both for uh, participating today and sharing your wisdom about this very important topic. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I've been speaking with Dr. Derek Chu, fifth-year allergy and clinical immunology resident, and Dr. Zainab Abdurrahman, allergist and clinical immunologist, as well as assistant clinical professor in pediatrics. Both are at McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario. To read the practice article they co-authored, visit cmaj.ca. Also, don't forget to subscribe to CMAJ Podcasts on SoundCloud or a podcast app. And let us know how we're doing by leaving a rating. I'm Dr. Matthew Stanbrook, Deputy Editor for CMAJ. Thank you for listening.